back to orange you glad we watched the oc the podcast where the water polo team is very sensitive <laughs> i'm sarah <laughs> once again that's evan what are the ramifications of the water polo team is very sensitive knowing that luke used to be on the water polo team does it mean that the water polo team has always been very sensitive or that this new version of the water polo team is very sensitive now that Luke is no longer on it. Luke has always been a secret, sensitive, soft boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's my understanding from reading copious amounts of young adult fiction mm-hmm. that boys, when they are together, like to hot goss. <laughs> they are very fucking gossipy. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yes. You're Sarah. I'm... I'm Evan. I'm Sarah. You're Evan. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Do we have any news? Um... Do you want to talk about our potential migration to from Tumblr? Oh, Christ. Yeah, Jesus. Audience. So Sarah recently opened up a co-host, which is a... It's 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 an interesting platform here. Um, I'm going to read a little bit about the the group that started it. Um, okay, so no ads, no tracking. Coast will never sell your data, sell ads, or sell the company to anyone who might change these policies. Algorithm would algorithm. Uh, f- all your followers post in the order they were posted in the timeline. It goes vertically clear and effective moderation done by humans. Which means this platform will last for <laughs> 86 seconds. I'm very curious. Here, let's see what we got here. Um, uh, here we go. It's, it's developed by the Anti-Software Software Club. Um, so the Anti-Software Software Club is a not-for-profit software company that hates the software industry. Um, this is a quote by Clodo. The dominant ideology has clearly understood that as a simple tool, the computer didn't serve its interests very well. So the computer became a parahuman entity, a demon or an angel, anything but a zealous servant of the system we live in. Um, it, there's some interesting, uh, works that they cite, but their manifesto, uh, we are an anti-software software club. Uh, we are a software company that hates the software industry. Over the past decade, both of us have watched the world buy into the lies of people who believe in the disruptive potential of technology and who think the best way to realize that potential is to build for-profit businesses that enable a creative class petty bourgeoisie to make it through their day without acknowledging another human being. <laughs> to some extent, we've been both part of the problem in order to keep a roof over our heads, and we're both sick and tired of it. We think we can do better by building tools that focus on fair dealing and sustainable growth rather than market dominance. We're publishing this manifesto to talk about the moral and ethical problems that we think are endemic to this industry and how we intend to overcome them. 
And yes, we are building something. So I'm. So, but more importantly, why are we considering a migration oh, to co-host to co-host from our once beloved Tumblr? Yes. Uh, okay. So anyone who has ever been on the platform Tumblr, uh, Tumblr, if you're nasty, know that um, Tumblr, Tumblr, know that. Uh, it has had, so it, it touts itself as the queerest space on the internet, but at the very, or in the very same breath, um, it spends a lot of its moderation time. Um, well, okay, I'll say this. It's a platform that has very visible trans women on it that are kind of basically the best part of the platform. They're like the most creative, funniest, most engaging people on the platform. And uh, TERFs and other transphobes hate that. So they use the moderation tools of flagging and um, what's it called? Content. Um, Reporting. Report, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, and community labels mm-hmm. is the other thing. Yeah. Uh, to target largely trans women. Um, to the extent that at one point someone was getting paid to basically target trans women's accounts and uh, nuke them, correct? Yeah, and all this came to light when a pretty visible trans woman was finally like ultra super mega banned from the site personally by the CEO, Matt, whatever his last Matt, name is. Matt, that guy. Mullen Gloff. Or, or, um, 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 uh, hang on, I'm about to make a funny joke. Um Fuck. Fuck. Um, shit. What's uh, from, 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 um, Tom, Tom, Wamsgans. There we go. Wamsgans. I was going to say Matt Wamsgans. That's what I'm calling him from now on. Um, Matt Wamsgans, uh, who then also threw a hissy fit. And shoved all of his feet in his mouth while he was supposed to be on sabbatical uh, and essentially sort of torched what social cachet the platform still had for the majority of its queer users, um, you and me included. So it looks like and, you know, Tumblr also has its constant problems of being massively unprofitable Um You know, uh, it's a perfect example of the enchitification of the Internet. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the name of the author who coined that term. Do you? I do not. But it stands. It's a perfect testament to the enchitification of the Internet. Yeah. Um, And it's sad because you you were a Tumblrina. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So um, we haven't fully gotten off of it yet. I'm still going to post or whatever to no one. Yeah. It's not like we have any followers (laughs) anyways, though. But. The co-host is, I believe, Orange U. Y O U at co dot co-host. Let me take a peek here really quick. Did you even fucking follow it? Yes, I followed you. Okay. Um. See if I have my Tumblr open here. Talk amongst yourself. So, while you're looking that up, I am going to jump to my news item. So I believe this was last week. Misha Barton 
went on a podcast called Call Her Daddy, which A is not our podcast. Why didn't you come on this podcast, Misha Barton? God damn it, Misha. God damn it. But also a podcast that kind of breaks weird news stories. And this story was broken. When Misha Barton and Ben McKenzie were co-workers on the set of the OC, when Misha Barton was 17 and Ben McKenzie was 25, they secretly dated. Oh, dear. Yep. Oh, dear. Ben McKenzie, come on this podcast and explain yourself. Because that is gross. 17? Yeah. Uh, I don't like that. No. Barton explained that it was her first relationship and she had no idea what she was doing while dating. I think that kind of set the things off on the wrong foot, too. People hook up on these shows and these things happen, but we threw ourselves all into it very fast, she said. It was tricky that it happened right out of the gate. I felt overwhelmed and not ready for any of that. Because you were 17. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. She recalled a time when the people on set grew concerned. I remember they were all like, Misha's disappeared with Ben and she's only 17 and a half, 18, and the producers went to my parents. She said it was kind of a whole ordeal. That's in the very beginning of the show before we're even halfway through a season. Yeah. So she was young, young, and she ended the relationship because she was not ready. Again, I'll point to the fact that girl was 17. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean... Um, okay, here we go. I'm almost there. You can say it was a different time or whatever, but the fact is... Dudes are gross, Evan. Here we go. I found it. Um, oh, shit. No, maybe I didn't. Hang on. This is great. This is a great episode so far. It is a great episode so far. Best episode so far we've ever done. You could cut all of this out and yet. I'd rather not. (laughs) Um, Okay. How's about this? We will find it later. Yep. (laughs) And then we'll talk about it ceaselessly in future episodes. Excellent. Because we are. About 10 minutes in, and we need to get to what I have already deemed the worst episode of this show so far. Also, possibly the worst episode of all time of television. It's so bad. In any and history. there's so much to go over. Yes. Dear God. Okay, so that's the end of your news item? Yes. Okay, cool. But I need you to agree with my thesis statement. It is the thesis statement of this podcast. Men are the worst? That dudes are gross. Yeah, dudes dudes are gross. Stop being gross, dudes. God damn it. Okay. And I'm sure that contributed to like her having a terrible time on the show. Oh, for sure. Which is what she's been very vocal about in the past, just not adding this particular detail. Oh, God. Anyway. Okay, the name of this episode is it The X Factor. It is The X Factor. How is that spelled? Um, Just like the Lauren Hill song. The letter X? E-X. Okay. Yeah. Oh, E-X. Yep. Okay. Get it? Because X is. I didn't know that was a Lauren Hill song. I'm sorry. It's a really good song. Apologies to Miss Hill. I would play it, but copyright. 
Yes. I will. I can't remember how it goes, so I won't sing it either. I don't know if I've ever heard it. So you probably have. We're doing great. Okay. Is that the one? Some boys are only about that thing. No, no. That song is called "Do Wop." Parentheses that thing. Oh, very good. End parentheses. Okay, cool. Okay, so we open this trash fire of an episode. Then again, um, as usual, the previously on is very informative about the topics of this episode. Yes, but we'll get to get we'll get to that as these topics uh, come up. All right. Um, Kirsten is on the phone with a Thai place ordering. She starts by ordering two things and then gradually every character who lives in the house comes in and is like, oh, could you get the pad thai? Oh, could you also get the dumplings? And this is the second time the dumplings have come up today and I don't have any fucking dumplings. I really wish I had soup dumplings. Yeah. Or dumplings of any kind. Yeah. Um, I believe Dan Dan has dumplings <gasps> for when we have our uh, Wisconsin party for top chef yay yay okay cool you'll have to hold off until march 22nd Boo. no dumplings for you until then Boo. um does anything actually happen in this scene other than yes there? Okay. so okay it's funny because the characters are coming in and yeah she's gonna order two things and then they're like oh don't forget to get this and also this and then the boys walk into frame and Kirsten's like, do you guys want anything from Thai? I can't remember the name of the restaurant. It doesn't matter. Thai restaurant. It's, it's immaterial. Um, do you guys want anything from the Thai Sea? I don't know. <laughs> uh, they're like, oh, yeah, get this and this and also this and this. And she's like, OK, that's this, 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 this and this. And then she hangs up and she's like, well, we have ordered enough food for a small army. That's and that right. is when um, Sandy's like, oh, well, you know, hey, boys, why don't you uh, why don't you call your uh, significant others? And um, he calls them female cohorts. There you go. Which is fun. Uh, Ryan is like, uh, Lindsay is in counseling with her mom and then they're going to go see a production of. Truffaut? Yes. Truffaut Festival. Yes, a Truffaut Festival. Because Lindsay is hashtag nerd. Yes. And, and that's uh, what hashtag nerd people do. Sandy is like, wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, well, what about your little uh, weird fucking migratory butterfly? Dude, her butterfly? That shit is all over the goddamn place in this episode. <laughs> that fucking thing. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. It's different uh, colors and different scenes. So this is a question that I have. We know that the bait shop has a telephone. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that the Coens have multiple telephones. Uh Um, And yet Seth decides to drive all the way over to the bait shop. Do we know geographically where the bait shop is in relation to their house? We do not. And again, I feel this is immaterial. Well, is it immaterial except for the fact that California, to my knowledge, is notoriously difficult to drive in. And the times for transit are super long. That's Los Angeles. Isn't it just all of California? I don't know. I don't know. We could look up the standard transit time of a vehicle making a trip in the ORC. But anyway, he drives to the bait shop 
And Alex is like, I was not expecting you to be here. I was going to say it's immaterial because Seth's whole deal is inserting himself constantly into people's personal spaces. That is true. That is entirely true. So what happens when he gets there, Sarah? Um, Olivia Wilde is stapling posters with her butterfly to the wall and a this doesn't seem like something that a manager would be doing but b she's doing it very aggressively yes and she's got a little olivia wilde scowl on her little face and seth invites her over in a completely obnoxious way to dinner to consume the too much thai food yep can you elaborate on that way? I don't remember what he says. No, sorry. Me neither. But we're assuming it was obnoxious. <laughs> um, like everything he does. Yeah. And this is when we started making chagrined eyebrows at each other because what was significant about what Olivia Wilde was saying, she says, my ex is in town. And not only that, my ex is here. Yes. In the office. In the office. And Seth is like, oh, so are you going to get back together with your ex? And Olivia Wilde says, I don't know. We're working that out right now. There are no male, female pronouns used. It is just the description of this person is the ex. Yep. And then Seth leaves the bar. He does so in in, in categorical sh- uh, Seth sort of fashion, though. Yes. Where he's like huffy puffy because yes. Olivia Wilde's like, you know, I need a little space to figure this out with my ex. And he's like, oh, so that means no more Seth. Seth needs to be distant. You That means you need me to not be near you. Okay, guess okay. I'll go and be a little brat about it. Yep. And Olivia Wilde's like, ugh. Because why alone if can have Seth? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And what happens, Sarah, when the ex comes out of the office? It's essentially the ex kisses Olivia Wilde on the cheek. And the ex is a girl with visible, not visible girly bits. She's in <laughs> pants on. She doesn't come out naked. No, there aren't two bars over her. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's a girl. And there's like the um, law and order dun, dun sound, yeah. essentially. And they go to the credits. That's by erasure, Sarah. So yes, this is the by erasure episode. Or no, it's more the by panic episode. They were doing really well on not having any kind of gay panic for a hot minute there. So somebody who was at the storyboards and reviewing everything that had gone on was like, oh, fuck, guys. <laughs> you gotta have a whole fucking episode of this shit. This, there are so many reasons I hate this episode. Yep. That is the first one. Yep. I wish you sort of would have been cataloging 
how exhausted I get. I was getting as the episode progressed because I just got more and more exhausted as it continued. Yep. And there are multiple avenues of exhaustion that can be found in this. If oh, you're yeah. the class divide exhaustion, because what happens next is they're at school and Lindsay, who kind of just spends her entire existence on the show so far, like comparing herself to people. Mm hmm. Um, because that was, that was an important thing that was in the previously on. She was like, Ryan, your ex-girlfriend is basically a supermodel. Yeah. What is she? She's like, she's basically the prettiest girl that ever existed in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're at school and is this, I think this is when, no, that happens later. Sorry. This is when they see Kirsten, not Kirsten, excuse me. Misha Martin? Misha. What's her fucking name? Oh, my God. Marissa! Marissa. Oh, my God. <laughs> How many fucking episodes have we talked about this goddamn show? Our brains are scrambled, man. Okay. They see Marissa. She comes up, and she's got her little fancy outfit on, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And isn't Lindsay like, oh, my God, I love your skirt? The, she mentions the skirt and the shoes because the shirt is extremely confusing. Very. And I think they must have written that out of the dialogue last second. <laughs> like she would not compliment her she on that not, shirt. No. That would be seen as a read. <laughs> the What this boils down to is Lindsay is like, you're really beautiful. And Marissa's like, thanks, you're poor. Marissa says, uh, I like I your... And then there's a pregnant pause yeah. and she goes backpack it's like marissa she's wearing clothing like you could have said anything except backpack and what i think she is i think Lindsay's in full like pink blazer what does she have on for most of this episode she has a pink sweater over a white t-shirt and her signature blazer um, little bell, almost like their boot cut pants. Yeah. Yeah. Like her, her not entirely real mid rise boot cut brown pants. Mm -hmm. Whatever. I think Lindsay is an adorable character. She's not like dressed in a barrel is what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> they have not, they're not doing what they did in her introductory episode where they're like smearing dirt on her face, like a fucking, <laughs> <laughs> like, like a British like urchin. Mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the only way she can support her poor family. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No. She's not Tiny Tim. The other issue that I, the umbrage that I take with this is Lindsay's backpack is L.L. Bean, mm -hmm. which is a fairly expensive brand. Yeah. Yeah. It is not for the poor's. So then, uh, is this where Lindsay mentions, oh yeah, because uh, Marissa's like, ah, I'm going to get to class. <laughs> As she like wrenches her foot out of the back of her throat. Uh -huh. And is this where Lindsay is like, you know, Ryan, you sure do spend a lot of time with your ex. Uh, for someone who has a new girlfriend. And is this where he's like, you should get to know her. You should be friends with her. She also says she's not competitive. 
Yes, that's right. She's like, it's a good thing I'm not competitive. Yeah. Which means she's absolutely really very fucking, fucking competitive. competitive. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's totally natural for this character to feel a little threatened because, you know, she knows she's yeah. starting to understand that Ryan and Marissa have an entire first season of history. So I'm going to make a really big cognitive leap that you are not going to really truly be able to follow because the only things you know about Vanderpump Rules are what I tell you. Sure. Uh, Vanderpump Rules, as with this show, consists of a core friend group, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. And they cannot be apart from each other no matter what. Mm -hmm. And if there's a new person, the only thing to do is add them to the core friend group and see how that where logically... That's not how the world works. No. No. But, you know, whatever, in television like this, you're only sort of allowed to have as you know a certain number of people that can kind of be, not only that can be in an episode at any given time, it's the whole reason, you know, there's the... Um, there's the convenient absence of certain characters... Uh, sometimes for certain episodes, sometimes for whole seasons, because we've just gotten rid of Caitlyn entirely now, you know, um, because having too many characters in a single plot point in a single episode, you're just going to muddy the waters. You're going to overcomplicate things, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they can't have the, the second they introduce a new character. Very often they they can have them around for a few episodes vis-a-vis the Oliver arc. But uh-huh. then you got to kick him to the curb because it's too many people. Yeah. You know? R.I.P. Luke. R.I.P. Luke. <sighs> Which means rest in Portland, Luke. <laughs> it stands for wrestle in Portland. Uh, the W is silent. <laughs> Merch. <laughs> so, oh yeah, she also compares... Marissa to a model on Cosmo Girl. Yes. Which you did not know was an offshoot of Cosmopolitan. Yep. I was in. It's funny because in the grocery store, I'd always see Cosmo when I was little in the um, in the checkout aisle. You know, it always be there as an impulse buy. And when I could read, you know, you read things like, you know, 50 ways to get your man off, you know, and stuff like that. Because Cosmopolitan was very focused on getting your man off. Yes. You know. um, Don't get yourself off. No. Get your man off. It was very, yeah. A hundred ways to keep him hard and wanting you. We found 95 impossible additions to the Kama Sutra. (laughs) Ladies. If you try them, you will die. How to unhinge your shoulder blades. (laughs) So that you can do it lawnmower style. <laughs> Ladies, have you tried to let him fuck between your shoulder blades? <laughs> 50 different lip shades that will make him marry you. <laughs> There's actually a... I no, I'm not going to remember the origin of this, but there's a recipe that is circulating has circulated the internet since the dawn of time. It's like proposal chicken. 
Oh, for Christ's sake. Like this, it's, I don't think it or it's supposed to induce spontaneous marriage proposal. (laughs) Ladies, the way to a man's dick is through his stomach. Right. Right. Fucking (laughs) put it in there. Put your chicken in there, ladies. Put the dick in the chicken, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) You want some dickin? Feed him some chicken. (laughs) Perfect. No notes. Excellent. That's more merch right there. That goes on a t-shirt. Or is that a sticker? Anyway, what is the next scene? The next scene is we are in the Cohen bedroom. This is the introduction of the B-plot of this episode. Um, Kirsten is asking Sandy for a favor related to work, and she's doing the thing where she's, like, massaging his shoulders. I was thinking about this trope in terms of people only using physical touch as a means to get something that they want. Mm-hmm. And I think about your family in particular, like you guys love to give back rubs and little scritches all the time. All the time. It's a really gross conceit in television that I do not like. Yeah. God cocking, damn it. <laughs> okay, we're back. But it is. That was laundry s- and you were upset because you had to uncozy yourself. I can't stand it. We are cozy casting again. I love cozy casting. It's fucking great. It's great. Anyway, um, the whole like, and especially Kirsten, Kirsten does this a lot as a character. Yeah. She's written in this way where like, you know, she rewards Sandy for good behavior with physical affection and it happens really regularly and I hate it. I mean, you're just in providing enrichment to your enclosure. <laughs> no, I dislike it. Yeah, I don't like I dislike it. it profoundly. I can't remember any other examples of her doing this, but I feel like you are correct. Yeah. Um. The favor that Kirsten needs is to figure out a way to get Newport Group's reputation back because for reasons that may or may not be just convenient to this plot that they need, uh, Newport Group is doing badly. No, I think um, there's a lot of reasons why the New York Newport Group's reputation would be in the dumpster. Yeah. Um there's the uh, I know that the allegations were were defeated because of the oh, revealing the, of his love yeah, child. Yep. But like that doesn't look great no. for that to have been uh, for for that infidelity to be uh, outed by the the president of the Newport group. I'm going to say that people in this world eat that shit up. And don't care. They only care they uh, for reasons that we will get to. I think it's cohesive with the way this unnamed, mysterious mass, undulating jellyfish entity that the population of uh, Newport Beach is. They love the goss. They love the goss when the goss is hot. The only reason thing they care about is if their money gets fucked up. Sure. You know, 
I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Undulating biomass. There are biomass. lots of there are lots of reasons I think that um, the Newport Group's reputation could be sort of sure tarnished right now. But I don't think that's one of them. So Sandy's solution is he's actually working with the Housing Commission to try and get affordable housing built, and the Newport Group could help fund that. And Kirsten is over the moon. She thinks that yes. it's a great idea. And I think it's a great idea. And she's like, you get a blowy. <laughs> and he's like, oh, la la. And another big trope. How does she exactly put it? I don't remember. I wish I would have written it down. Yeah. Or done anything. Because it's gross. Mm-hmm. What she says is gross. It also sort of reinforces, like, I don't remember, I think, like, every female character who's married of a certain age in any television show is like, you get sex on your birthday (laughs) and on Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. Right? That's in 10,000 things. Yes, basically. Yes. So. That scene ends with her, yeah, like, putting her arms around him and smooching him and being like, for that, mama's gonna reward her good little boy or something, something when you get to mama mama's good mama. <laughs> and then they break into a soft shoe routine yep yes hats sort of just appear on their heads yes yeah a cloud of smoke and fucking that guy the director fossey gets all very fossey burden on them yes yeah but he's constantly shrouded in cigarette smoke so <laughs> that's how he makes his entrance <laughs> All of these ideas that we have are ways to make this a better show. Correct. Yes. Because yes. the episode is not good. It's not great. It's not great. Not fucking great. Okay, so now we're back at school. Mm-hmm. And Zach has decided to celebrate his six-month anniversary with Summer. Mm-hmm. Did we do anything for our six months? I feel like that's not a thing. I can't remember. I'm so sorry. It was so long ago. Yeah, I don't remember. It's fine. You don't have to remember. I knew I drew you sharks for Valentine's Day. And I drew a little drawing for our one year. Mm-hmm. I don't think we did. I mean, we might have like gotten a dinner somewhere. Yeah. But I don't know. Which is what he wants to do. He sneaks up behind her and she's like. He covers her eyes, which yeah. is creepy. I don't yep. like that. Yeah. He's like, guess who it is? And she's like, Zach. And he's like, I've got a surprise. And she's like, I love surprises, especially when they say Jimmy Choo on them. And (laughs) yeah, he sits down and it's a cupcake. And she's like, what does she say? In what world does this is not what she says, but in what world does a teenager expect another teenager to get her a pair of stiletto heels? (laughs) In what world? Dude, I don't know. Especially not that fucking guy. Sorry, dude. He's busy like... Considering the geopolitics of Borneo <laughs> and reading comics, yeah, yeah. Um, she says, "Well, this doesn't have a stiletto heel." Yeah, but I'll eat it anyway. But I'll eat it anyway. And the okay. writing in this episode is not good. And of course, she doesn't eat it on camera because no. nope, nope. Oh, and we talk about various things like that later in this episode too. Yeah. This episode is so bad for so fucking many reasons. Yeah. So he wants to take her to a fancy dinner at the Arches. The Arches. Which is the only restaurant in town. (laughs) Yeah, they really missed out on the opportunity to have the other one with the two meatloafs and two different martinis. 
Meatloaf and Martini. The Lighthouse? Is that what it was going to be called? Yeah. Yeah. So she is freaked out by all of the attention that he's showing her. And she thinks it's kind of a lot of pressure, probably, to Mm -hmm. be celebrating a six-month anniversary, especially when they've been as up and down as they have Mm -hmm. as a couple. So she says, I can't go to dinner because I'm fasting for my upcoming colonoscopy. Yep. Which is, it's funny. I enjoyed that line. It is a funny line. Yes. She reveals this to Marissa because they do the thing where he's like, huh? And then they hard cut to her walking with Marissa who says, and what did you say? Yep. And now... This is where they decide to have a girls' night, isn't it? Yes. um, No, Marissa and Summer are walking together, and they're like, we need a girls' night. And for some reason, they talk about Full House and what Step by Step was at the other one. Yep. She's like, we haven't had a girls' night since we used to watch Full House and Sleepover Nights. Is this like product placement for... Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a different network yeah surprising yeah um so they get the idea that they're gonna have a girls night and now we're ryan and Lindsay, aren't we are we uh no now we are at the newport group because yes kirsten is going to yep Kirsten comes in with the idea and she's going to pitch it to her. But instead... To whom is she going to pitch? Julie. Julie. Yes. Excuse me. Oh, because Julie is still acting CEO. Correct. Right? Yeah. Dear God, help us all. And there is a giant (laughs) mock-up of a magazine cover with Julie Cooper's whole face on it. Yep. To which Kirsten says, that's a whole lot of you. (laughs) And Julie's like, yeah. And I'm the target demographic for the people who care about the Newport group. And no one is going to want affordable housing or care about who you want to move into your pool house next. Whatever poor you pluck from like (laughs) South Central. (laughs) So we're going to do this magazine we're do this instead. magazine that celebrates the lifestyles of the um, citizens of the OC. And while we are watching this unfold in real time, you had reminded me somewhat recently that the entire Housewives universe, uh-huh. uh, the extended Housewives universe, only exists because of the Real Housewives of Orange County, right? Yes. It was the OG. It was the thing. Which sprung from... This television this program. This television program. This television program. Program. Um, and this it's... Television pogrom. So it feels like a fucking pogrom tonight. <laughs> Christ. And so as Julie is talking about this thing that's going to be, she's like, this is going to be a phenomenon. We're like, oh God, it is. Yeah. She has no idea how, like... I said something like they were essentially daring them. Yes, right? A reality show. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. They were fucking doing. Yep. Um, Now, in the episode, you're supposed to feel for Kirsten because her idea or, you know, Sandy's idea is fabulous. 
is going to help low income people to, you know, survive and have housing. But lovely. As we know, sort of from existing in a mid sized city in 2024, people don't like the idea of affordable housing. I mean, homeowners sure don't, and landlords sure don't. Yep. They were trying to build a subdivision in Bayview, I believe, most recently. And there were so many meetings about it and so many residential concerns that it's people equate affordable housing with just drug addicts, homeless people, Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. A lot of fucking NIMBYs. Yeah. Um, So that would have been a whole, again, this would have been a more interesting direction they could have gone had town halls mm-hmm. about a affordable housing. Sandy could have like grandstanded. He could have done like a 12 angry men speech or something. And it could have been a architectural procedural. <laughs> <show>? <laughs> okay, maybe not. And that's a totally different show. Yes, it is. That's it's the, sorry. Keep going. That's the spinoff. I just really love uh, when Kirsten is like, uh, Sandy had this great idea to help us, you know, alleviate some of our um, reputational issues. And I love it. Julie right away is like, "Great, my idea is better." <laughs> and I'm just going to spoil the plot for people. the The conceit of this entire B plot is that uh it, it it leads it leads down the road to sandy needing to find something to do because his final speech which we'll get to at that point is very revealing and i agree with him 100 percent um so we are right here temporally we're supposed to agree with kirsten and be like oh my god this is a terrible idea this is going to flop but she changes her mind throughout the episode um and we're supposed to come around on it with her i guess and one of the themes that they're hammering a round hole into a square peg <laughs> is you, it's a good idea to, like, back your spouse, no matter what. Do you think that's what they're saying? That's what one of them literally says. I think Julie says it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It doesn't mean it's, like, true. It just means that that's what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. That, that jives. Um. So now this is the scene where uh, Ryan and Lindsay, Ryan basically frog marches Lindsay over to a table where Marissa and Summer are gleefully eating, again, product placement, Uh, in and out burgers. Yeah. So uh, Ryan needs to have, quote unquote, he needs to join the emergency comic book club meeting yes that seth has called yes to discuss the x situation correct um at that meeting we get introduced to a few new characters that i'm sure we will never see again also they're in middle school it's confusing it's very confusing but yes ryan is like i'm gonna go to this meeting so you know curiosity why couldn't Lindsay go with him that seems a little weird 
Mm-hmm. But they need, I know plot wise, they just need to force this yep. because that's the whole, it's a big part of the conflict of this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, you're right. Yeah. He's just like, you, this is a perfect opportunity. And he like shoves her basically. And she's like protesting the whole time. Like, no, I'll, I'd rather eat alone yeah. than eat with your ex and her best friend. Yeah. And it's like, dude, uh, yeah, kind of what you're doing here. And he comes to the realization that this is not the move, but you know, obviously that has to be a little bit of his character development later in the episode. Mm-hmm. So this scene absolutely plays into the cool, the cool girl trope. Yeah. Cool girls can eat as much as they want and never gain weight. Yeah. Okay. So here guys, this is what we're fucking doing in this, in this scene. Uh, Ryan drops Lindsay off. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, Marissa and Summer are like, yeah, here, join us. It's great. We just went down to, uh, I'm so glad that we got burgers. So they are chowing down, taking huge bites out of these massive greasy burgers. And Lindsay is saying things like, wow, so you, you guys can just eat that and still look like you No, she says something about you gotta you must have to exercise on the treadmill so much mm-hmm. after you're done with that and summer's like coop exercise ha 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 that's very funny yeah you'd never see her so much as lift a credit card or something <laughs> like that right um what are you eating, Lindsay? Because that's what the ideal hum- the ideal female is. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be able to drink beer yep. and relish burgers mm-hmm. and like make fart jokes. And never do exercise never ever. Never do exercise. And, and like perfect and rail thin. Yep. Yeah. Cheekbones for days. I mean, they do have the metabolism of... A literal 17-year-old and a 20-year-old. But I'm pretty sure that off-screen they were chagrined about that scene. I would fucking hope so. Because you probably... No, I just mean the act of having to eat. Oh, you think? Because they probably had to take a bunch of takes. Oh, yeah. I wonder. Of taking bites of the burger. Did uh, Misha Barton come on this podcast and tell us that if you spit out the burger? Right. Yeah, this show is fucked. Yep. For so many reasons. Yep. What are and then they're like, "What are you eating, Lindsay?" And she's like, "She's eating the zone diet." I have a zone salad. What is the zone diet, honey? The zone is a quack diet that we what? Uh huh. Quack diet. We used. I don't remember the specifics of it, but we used to stock the books when I worked at Barnes and Noble, mm-hmm. and um, it's essentially low carb. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She says it's a low carb salad. Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah, yeah. It's like Christ, salad is already fucking low carb. Jesus. I mean, not the way Wisconsin does it. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. It's not a salad here unless you have a entire wheel of parmesan on top of your salad and bacon i was gonna say you haven't named a carb yet (laughs) we'd need croutons that would be your card your carb or like a giant piece of french bread yes i just want french bread but anyway so at one point summer is like hey by the way we are coop and i are planning our girls night out for blah yep you should join us and Lindsay, of course is hesitant but marissa's like yeah 
You should totally, totally join us. You should come with us. Boys are icky and gross. so much fun. I can't wait to have quality bonding time together. Boys are gross. Boys are gross. We're going to be minus boys. Minus boys. Girls minus boys. There was something that Marissa said in reference to DJ. Yes, that was while she was walking with Summer. She was like, Full House used to be my favorite show. Oh, It's so yeah. telling that... My favorite character was, was DJ. DJ. Yeah. Yeah. For those who forgot, almost as quickly as the show did, she had a boyfriend named DJ on the show. Literally last episode. Yeah. 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 Okay, so that plan is set. Lindsay is coming to the girls' night. Uh, now we are at the emergency comic book meeting. This is where we introduce a few new boy characters. Some of them are from middle school. Uh-huh. It's so confusing. What is Seth talking about? Seth of course is, he's talking about the X. Seth is talking about the X. That's all he's talking about. And one of the characters who I don't even think they name was like, I came here to discuss the new Avengers. And Seth is like, fucking leave, bro. Yeah, he's like, you can't support me in my hour of need. Get out. Yeah, he kicks him out of the club. It's like, I think Seth is my villain for this episode. I don't know. Is it too early? Is it too early to say that Seth is my villain? It's never too early. It's never too early for Seth to be your villain, everybody. He's the worst. Mm -hmm. He's the goddamn worst. Correct. Um... Ryan spends most of this episode trying to get Seth not, not to, do, to things. do things Yes, that Seth does anyway. Because At this point, I'm oh, sorry, keep going. He decides to call the bait shop. Mm-hmm. And I think both Zach and Ryan try to take the phone out of his hands. They tackle him, basically. Yeah, yeah and rip the phone out of his hands. Yep. Uh, and then... Seth is like, oh, that's right. I shouldn't call her. The better idea is to go down to the bait shop because I am owed $38 on my paycheck. $38. $38. Jesus Christ. And he's like, a man needs to eat. I need that money. I'm going to shove him down a flight of stairs. Yes. Like, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> you have everything provided for you. You just ate the entire menu of a Thai food place. Right. You, I'm sure he took his part and he took it into his bedroom and he stripped down to his nudies so that he could slither on the ground and unhinge his, do- his jaw and just swallow them all like, a, like an anaconda swallowing a small goat. That is a very specific Vore thing that I didn't know you were into. (laughs) I'm not into it. I just know a lot about it. I know a lot about it. We'll unpack that later. (laughs) Um, But Ryan is like, you know what is even better is I'll go for you. Yeah. And I will learn about the X on your behalf and then I'll report back. Yes. But before he says that, the kid who we kicked out of the comic book club, they're like, you have to go apologize to Wiener Schnitzel. (laughs) Because that wasn't cool, man. And he's like, yeah, it wasn't cool. And he goes over 
And he's like, sorry, man. Sometimes I turn into a, the Hulk. <laughs> and he says this while wearing a green shirt, by the way. Oh, I didn't even catch that. But look at that. Look Synergy. See, yep. Okay. That's we lo- fine. We love it. Well, yeah, we sure do. Okay. So Ryan goes to pick up the paycheck and the girl who gives it to him, the ex, mm-hmm. is like, are you Seth? I've heard so much about you. You must be, what does she say? You must be Alex's new boy, Seth Cohen. I've heard a lot about you. No, I'm not Seth Cohen. I'm just a friend here to pick up his paycheck. And you, you must be the ex. Commercial break. Yep. Fucking commercial break. We do a commercial, we do this commercial break beat every time because in, you know, 2004, everybody was probably running in circles to the Benny Hill theme. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) This was fucking revealed that Alex dated a girl. Yeah. Oh my god. He's like, and he's he's like, I'm Brian Atwood. I'm a friend, and you have a vulva. <laughs> That's what everyone's thinking. Correct. <laughs> this little vulva's running through their mind, hopping around. <laughs> It's a little vulva's hopping around. Oh my god. <laughs> when chicks get together, it's hot. <laughs> oh god, that's another fucking thing that happens later in this episode. Uh-huh. Oh, it's just the fucking worst! Uh-huh. It's the worst! So now we're back at the pool house, and um, Ryan is so scandalized by this information that he decides to withhold it from Seth. Which, okay... We know that Seth he can't would, handle it. He would lose his mind. Yes. He does lose his we mind. We find out later that Seth cannot handle it. Yes. And it was the right. Ryan was in the right to keep it from him. Because so, Seth is a child. Yes. So Zach is also at the pool house. And they're like, oh, maybe we should have a dude's night because the girls are having a girl's night. We could go to L.A. We could get into a club. Ryan has all these ideas a to club. go out and about to get into the world. To enjoy, to enjoy life, and the other two sad sacks are not having it because Zach is sad because, and quite rightly, I think, because Summer, like the second he shows affection for her, she runs for the hills. Yeah, or she spends most of her time talking about or hanging out with her ex. There's a lot of that going on uh-huh. in this whole fucking bullshit nonsense show. It's the thing where they love to parallel experiences. Yep. Oh, you're very right. Yep. Um, it's literally the one fucking trick that the writers of this show have. And they're doing a bad job with they it. They sure are. Um, job bad, many notes. All the writers. <laughs> yeah, many notes. <laughs> all the writers should be ashamed of the work that they did on this television program. Correct. Um so Ryan is like, we could do this. We could go to Vegas. We could go to blah. We could we could do blah. We could blah. Oh, we could go to Tijuana. Yeah. And Seth's like, that didn't turn out so great the last time. Also, none of the things that Ryan mentioned that they have all previously gone to, Vegas didn't turn out great. Because mm-hmm. they ended up owing a pimp money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Los Angeles didn't turn out great because... Uh, 
Summer was almost sexually assaulted, and yep. Paris Hilton was there. Yeah, <laughs> Paris Hilton was inscrutably there. So it is fair to say that the examples that Ryan brought up are bad. They are bad, yes. And, uh, you know, when when Seth is like, we've got everything we need here. We have comics. We have video games. You could see me, like, perking up. I was like, this is sounding like a perfect night. We have been spending... Most of our free time on weekends playing one specific video game. Yeah, and it's lovely. I almost want to do nothing else with my life except sit on the couch <laughs> with a blanket and a heating pad and play this video game. Yep. The game in question, folks, is Spirit Tea. It's delightful. You're a little guy and you do stuff. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, no notes. It's perfect. It has... It has mini, it has fishing mini game. It has cooking mini game, two different kinds of cooking mini game. It has drinking mini game. It has karaoke mini game. It has, most importantly, running a bathhouse mini game for spirits who are very cute. They're all very cute. You can pet the dogs. And the cat. You can catch little froggies and walk around with them. And let them out loose in people's houses. It is wonderful. You can go into people's houses and take their shit. You can steal all their shit. Mm -hmm. It is lovely. I highly recommend Spirit Tea to anyone who is not Seth Cohen. You can offer footballs to shrines. (laughs) Basketballs, excuse me. How dare you. (laughs) And you make friends. Yes. And it feels like real friendships, unlike sort of like the empty friendships of Animal Crossing. Yeah. I don't know. They still have their set list of phrases that they say. That's true. But that's any video game. Yeah. Anyway, the boys decide to stay in. Yes. And crutch to each other. Yes. So now for plot reasons, Ryan is dropping (laughs) Lindsay off at... Marissa's house. She has a car. She has a car. We have seen her car. Okay, but if we are... Okay, this is the hashtag moment of grace. Sure, go for it. Sure, sure. It's a shitty car. Yeah. And she's probably... Would be ashamed of driving it to Marissa's enormous house with like eight pools. (laughs) And... A gardener that they fired. Here's the piece of grace I'm going to give it. Okay. In my head canon, the car broke down because it is so shit. Have we only seen her, her fucking, uh, whatever kind of fucking make and model that car? We only saw it. Did we only ever see it in the introductory episode of her character? Yes. Okay. You just needed it once to establish that she is a poor. Yep. That's all it took. Yep. It's the important thing. We got that out of the way. Everyone knows she's poor. Okay, let's keep it moving. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you, though, like, ugh, the whole Ryan dropping her off thing, there's a lot of things that piss me off about this episode. That one pisses me off primarily because I feel like if I were the character of Lindsay, who is a smart person, she is smart, she uh, knows how to advocate for herself, I would want an out because the odds are very good. I am in 
for a very uncomfortable evening. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for real, right? Like, and this is before Uber. Yeah. And what's she going to take a fucking taxi? I guess she's poor. No, she's poor. She, she can't, can't afford, afford a fucking taxi. <laughs> So, okay, Marissa comes and gets... Oh, wait, wait. Yeah, go for it. This is also the spot where um, Ryan gives the speech of how incredible Marissa is. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because what's her name? Lindsay is like, so how did you even meet? Yeah. And then he goes, he gets like this dreamy look in his eye. And it was like, she floated down the driveway the first night I was in town. And we looked at each other. And it was, I've never met any, this is the funniest fucking line delivery. I've never met anyone like her. Five minute long pause. Until I met you. <laughs> Lindsay is like uh, reverse crawling into her own skin. <laughs> she is unbirthing herself. <laughs> so yeah. Yes. What did the character... Okay, if we're going to do a little, like, philosophizing here, you know, and if we're going to pretend that these characters are not written by shitty writers who don't know what they're doing, and if we're going to actually pretend like the words coming out of their mouths have motivation, Uh you know, what would you speculate Lindsay's actual motivation is in asking that question? Reassurance. Yeah? Yeah positive reinforcement like there i have been the type of insecure where i need to fish for compliments constantly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that's a little bit of what's happening here uh in the immortal words of william joel tell her about it <laughs> tell her everything you feel give her every reason to accept that you're for real. Uh-huh. Tell her about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That's a good that's a good read. That's a good motivation. And also it's a specific kind of wrong pairing because while Ryan is as a character growing to the point where he doesn't punch everything that moves, <laughs> he still cannot use his words effectively. No, he cannot. No. Ryan is not a man of words. No. Ryan, Ryan Atwood is a man of action. Ryan man of punch. And cannot <laughs> punch anymore. So, so Ryan man of nothing. <laughs> and uh, he's dropping her off at the door. And he's like, you better not let her get into trouble. No, yeah. Marissa comes out and uh, Ryan says, take care of her. Right. And uh, Lindsay's like, I'm not eight. Yeah. Ryan, you're not my dad. I'm not eight. And Marissa's like, Marissa is the one who calls him dad, which is weird and gross. Yeah, that's right. I'll take care of her dad. Yeah. And he's like, that's daddy. (laughs) He does not say that again. Would have been a better show. We would stop if we would have stopped watching at that point. If he would have said daddy. We would have screamed into pillows for eight hours straight. Yes. And then walked into Lake Michigan. Yep. Yes. And lived with the alewives, alewives and the zebra mussels. Yep. Um, and obviously, because they have done this exchange of dialogue, that means something bad is going to happen. That's exactly what that means. Uh-huh. That is the only thing that that can mean. Uh-huh. And then 
Ryan and Marissa give each other a resting bitch face. Yeah. And he leaves. Yep. So now we're in Marissa's bedroom. Marissa is wearing 17 necklaces. <laughs> what is she wearing? She's wearing what looks like a a green taffeta bodysuit. Yep. Pantsuit. Yep. Pantsuits, all the rage for 17-year-olds. Yeah, with, like, super low V-neck and, like, yeah, 100 necklaces. Uh-huh. This is some real Ms. Habisham kind of fucking couture is what this is. Yes, and they are in her bedroom. And Lindsay's like, and They're having wow. the world's most awkward conversation. So this is where you live. I mean, obviously, this is where you live. It's really nice. Marissa's like, thanks. <laughs> that was a really good interpolation of Lindsay. Thank you. That actually, I mean it. That's yeah. almost exactly what she says. Yeah. In that cadence. Yes, thank you. I'm so sorry that this episode has burned you into your brain <laughs> to the point where you can quote that verbatim. It's such a bad episode, guys. Yeah. It's such a bad episode. So they are very quickly realizing that they have absolutely nothing in common except for Ryan. <laughs> and uh, Marissa pulls a flask out of her. Uh, How about an icebreaker? Yeah. She says, pulling a full on goddamn flask from her desk, from her, her um, uh, vanity. We had some uh, discussion of this because I was like, Actual teenagers would not have flasks. They would just be toting around water bottles filled with vodka. Yes. But also the whole other thesis of this episode is Marissa, not like other girls. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. We've never met anyone like her. Literally never. Until now. Until now. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a little bit. There's a lot of conversational uh, treading water. Lindsay's like, no, I'm not gonna, but it's okay if you do. I don't judge anyone. I don't want to, but it you can't if I. Uh. And Marissa's like, no, no, it's it's. I'm I'm sorry. It's fine. I shouldn't. Um, yeah, it's already a nightmare situation. Yes. Um, hold on one second because I need to. Or talk amongst yourself. <laughs> because I need to look up the name of the song that they were overusing in this episode. Yeah, they've overused quite a number of songs. But this one in particular, it, it, it was the anthem of this episode. Ba, 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 yeah. Ba, ba. I remember kind of liking that song around this time. Sure. Not enough to remember what it is. Um. I'll be interested to ask you... A question when this scene well no i can ask you now it doesn't fucking matter it seems like after the girls get to the after they get to the venue and they do start drinking um it seems like the show is sort of trying to imply that this might be a shared experience that will make them closer to each other a little bit because when Lindsay is actually drunk, you know, um, her inhibitions are slack enough that she tells Marissa that she's not scary 
And yeah. Marissa's like, gosh, thanks. You know, and Lindsay's like, you used to be scary. And Marissa says, you don't have anything to worry about. Ryan really likes you. Uh-huh. And then the girls take care of Lindsay when she passes out later. All this, this all happens. But like the question that I'll want to discuss with you, maybe when we get there is, do you think that's the direction that they're trying to go in? Do you think that because um, <sighs> this is a it's a stupid it's a stupid c- connection to make. But do you remember Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Yes. Uh, that show did to a good job that I remember anything. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That show did a good job of taking, you know, these archetypal characters that were supposed to be like enemies because they both liked the same guy. And, and gave them a real reason to like be friends yes, with each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, like I would love for this show to have the maturity to keep a character around that they've made a three dimensional person like Lindsay uh, and not just kick her to the curb the second she's no longer a love interest like they did with Anna, you know. Um, but I probably can't actually give this show any credit because like we said earlier in this episode, they can't have too many people. The second yeah. they have too many people that are not the core group, then suddenly that's one person too many and they have to have them move to Seattle or Portland or Washington or wherever the fuck Anna ended up moving. I'm afraid that you're going to be heavily disappointed if you would like two friends to be friends besides Marissa and Summer. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. No, that's the fine. I, I should have known. The song is called Hardcore Days and Softcore Nights, and it is by Aqueduct. Aqueduct? Oh, okay. Interesting. Aqueduct. 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 I have satisfied my con- of curiosity Good. about that song. Good. Um, so then the doorbell rings and Marissa's like, oh, th- th- that must be summer. Oh, fucking great. I can I'll, get out I'll, of this hellhole. I'll, I'll, go, I'll just go let her in. <laughs> and when she is absent, Lindsay is walking around her room and all of the photos. Which were probably taken in the same afternoon. All of the photos are of Marissa and Ryan. Mm-hmm. Fucking all of them. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, and then uh, Lindsay says to herself out loud, what am I doing here? Good question. Why weren't you staying home and doing homework like a nerd? Right. Nerd. Right. You fucking nerd. Yeah. You cannot roll with these bitches. Yeah, we learned that. We learned that right when Ryan says, how much did you have to drink as much as Marissa? He's like, oh, that's a lot. (laughs) Okay. So now we're at the Cohen, back at the Cohen home. Yep. And Seth says they're going to leave at 0700. And Zach says, that's seven in the morning. I don't think I like Zach necessarily. I think they're doing the thing where they're flattening out his character Mm -hmm. just in the service of having him be a foil to Summer. Yeah. Um, But he was apparently in the ROTC, which is what we learned from this little exchange. Yeah. Because Seth says, no one cares that you were in the ROTC. (laughs) And what he meant was, we're going to leave 
for our cool boys night because we haven't fully decided that we're actually going to stay in and play video games. And mm. that decision is made in this scene. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. I got you. But it's not, it's not, they don't, we, we'll, we'll get to that part, but they don't play video games. No, they don't. No, they do not. Because Seth is the worst. And he, he at some point gets it out of Ryan. That is that the next scene. Sorry, I should stop interrupting. It's okay. Um, now we're at the the bait shop. The band that is playing is the Thrills. They don't play immediately in this scene. Oh, and he says specifically, Seth says when they're deciding to stay in, he's like, "We have everything we need here. We have video games. We have lamps." <laughs> yep. You know what we also have? Lamps. And video games. And video games. We have everything we need. He has kind of a point. I will give this one point to Seth. How dare you? <laughs> Don't worry, we'll we'll deduct it pretty soon. So now we're at the bait shop. Yeah. Um The girls are arriving. Yes. For their girls' night. I believe the same song is playing as they go in because the band hasn't quite started yet. Yeah, like you said, it's the thrills. Um, do you like how I went in a completely different key? It was great. Thanks. I like it. All right. Noted. You like it when I sing off key. Yep. You think it's hot. Yep. So they're sitting at on the... Where are they sitting? They're not at a table. They're at like... They're in like a little... They're in like a little cubby. Yeah, they're at yeah. a table. Oh, wait, no, they're not. There is no... Is there a table? There is a table because yeah. Lindsay knocks it over at one point. Yes. Later when she has been drinking. <laughs> they're in like a little VIP or like private like... In the words of Jeff Tweedy. Drank. Drank. <laughs> yes, correct. Um, But yes... And then everything is extremely awkward. And so yeah. Lindsay is at some point like. I have changed my mind about the underage drinking. I would very much like to participate. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And Summer and Marissa are like, thank God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they ask like, OK, we're here. What do we do? And Summer is like, well, we could go to the bar and see if any boys check us out. This show never will and never has passed a Bechdel test in its entire fucking life. No. It won't. All the things girls can talk about is boys, and that is it. All right, next episode, we pay specific attention and see if any characters... Talk about anything? Yes. That's not boys? Yes. Yeah. Or girls? Yes. Okay. We can do it. We can do it. It doesn't count with Sandy and Kirsten. Correct. Yes. And also another reason that they can't really talk about boys in this situation is that two out of three of them have been romantically involved with one Chino Brown, <laughs> a.k.a. Ryan, yep, a.k.a. Man of No Words, yes, a.k.a. Punchy McPuncherson. So that is when Lindsay is like, all right, let's just drink. Let's let's have drinks. Yay. So I'm pretty sure what's in Marissa's flask is gin. Because A, she's not like other girls, and B, Lindsay's reaction to drinking it straight is she is fucking disgusted. Yeah, she's like coughing. Yeah. Yeah. And vodka doesn't really taste like anything. Yeah. So um, Marissa's like, perhaps I will go to the bar and get some tonic and ice. Lots of ice. Yep. And so she goes up to the bar, and this is when 
things take a turn. Uh, I don't remember what happens here. You're going to have to describe it. So she is. Ah, yes. I recall now. The ex and Alex are who I have not named as Alex in this episode. So just to clarify for the listener who doesn't remember this show or will never watch this show. Alex is Olivia Wilde. Alex is Olivia Wilde. Um, Alex and the ex who's has been given a name, but I can't remember what it is. Yep. Are having a heated conversation. Casey? Sure. Sure. We'll just say Casey for now. They're having a heated conversation about just buy things, probably. (laughs) Just girls dating girl things. Just buy stuff. Yep. You know. Yep. And Marissa is like, Hi. The girl's bathroom is out of paper towels. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. And why is this a thing? Because uh, Marissa could tell that it was like a heated argument and she essentially saves. um, Alex, have they interacted at all before this episode? Fuck. Was Marissa at Kirsten's birthday party? Yes. Okay, then yeah. Like they've seen each other. Yeah. Yep. I don't remember, but this show might not remember either. I don't think they have. <laughs> so, okay. Sorry, that was a very long pause. Um, Marissa has rescued Alex from the awkward conversation, and they walk and exchange intense glances with each other. To go address the to- the uh, paper towel situation together. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Like, is Alex going to show her where the paper towels are? <laughs> is that a euphemism for buy things? I would love every character to work at the bait shop at some point. Yes. That would be great. Yes. I would love that. It would give some of these rich assholes some fucking work ethic. It hasn't given Seth any redeeming qualities. So no, far. you're right, but that's because he started dating the manager. So I feel like he does. It's not what I would call a typical job yeah, I for him. Yeah. So now we're back at the living room where the video games are unplayed, clearly in reach. Right. The uh, Seth uh, is lying. The on, comic books are unread. Unread. The lamps are not turned on. <laughs> Poor lamps. Um. Right, right. Seth is basically lying like he's on a fainting couch and like the remote is balanced on top of his forehead. Yeah. And it's clear he has been rehashing this Alex conversation for many, many minutes. And this is when they decide to go to the club. And Ryan is like, no, we're not going. And Seth is like, you know something. You met the ex, didn't you? Right, this is that scene? Yeah. And he's like, no. He's like, tell me, is he a big, beefy guy? Can he lift something 250, blah, blah? Right. And this is finally where Ryan is like, he is a she. Cut to commercial. Was there a commercial? Probably. Something like that. Chung Chung. Chung Chung. (laughs) (laughs) This fucking show is the worst. Okay, and now we are back at the bait shop, and there is a long 
sequence of showing exactly how much every member of this band that's playing needs a haircut. (laughs) They look... The band specifically looks very upset about having to lip sync their lyrics for a television, a seminal, te- seminal television program. What's the name of this band again? The Thrills? The Thrills. Have you heard of The Thrills before this? And will you ever think about The Thrills again? Let's see. The Thrills are an Irish rock band. Well, shit. Formed in 2001 in Dublin, Ireland. Uh... Let's see what we got here. Well, looks like my internet might be pooped. Show me the Wikipedia. Band was sounded by lead vocalist Connor DC and guitarist Daniel Ryan. Do they have the same haircuts? Blah, blah, blah. Let's see if they're still early history. Blah, blah. Um, the thrills was formed, blah, blah. Uh, see, okay. So it says in 2001, they changed their name to the thrills, but what was it before? I don't know. Again, this is making for thrilling podcasting. It's not telling me. Uh, thrilling? Uh, 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 I'm just seeing if they're still uh, if they're still around. Um, it's not really. Oh. Uh, nope. Never mind. Never mind. Nope. I don't know. Unsolved mysteries. The thrills come on this podcast. Oh, well, okay, here we go. On 22nd of 20, August 22nd, 2011, uh, the uh, Virgin Records, their former label, released a best of compilation covering their 2002 to 2007 discography. Uh, it contained no previously unreleased or bonus material. So there you go. They had three studio albums. Good for them. Good, good for them. And they were on the OC. They do not mention that in this article on Wikipedia. Seems like a glaring oversight. If you're asking me, which you are not. So on the, I think I told you off pod <laughs> that Temper Temper, the band from Milwaukee. Mm-hmm was featured on an episode of the OC. Mm-hmm. When we get to that episode, I will do a dramatic reading of the um, interview that I did with Annie Menchel. Ooh, excellent. About being on the OC. I'm excited about this. Spoiler, they were kind of nonplussed. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was asking excellent questions, and they were giving me one-word answers. You were probably asking excellent questions. Bands, man. Fucking bands. Fucking bands. Fucking These Annie Menchel. prima donnas. Annie Menchel, come on this pod. Yeah. Um, okay, so the other thing that is come out of this scene with the band montage is Lindsay is blasted. Yeah, now she is demolished. She is toasty. She is three sheets to the wind. Yeah. She's giggling. She's a happy drunk. Yeah, she's absolutely a happy drunk. Yes. Yeah. Um, Misha Barton is basically 
herself. <laughs> it's totally fine. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, Marissa's an alcoholic. Uh-huh. And her tolerance is sky high. Yeah. Probably, which is an excellent thing to imply about a 17-year-old. Right. But also, like, despite weighing, like... Two pounds? 86 pounds soaking yeah. wet. Yeah. Also, didn't she go to therapy for this? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. What was it? There was There was sort of an inciting incident... That they made a very important visual note of showing us that this is the thing that's driving her to drink again. Because she was sober for a while there in season one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, now I can't remember what it was. Uh, was it breaking up with Ryan? Was it? I don't remember. Maybe? It was either early this season or it was late. It was late her last season. dad. Was it her dad? It was her dad leaving. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. And his haircut. It is his haircut. It was really his new haircut. <laughs> okay. So now we are. Oh, yeah. We're still at the bait shop. And yeah. this is when Summer starts talking to the polo player. Yes. My she son? goes to get okay. something. This makes. Oh, she, does she go to get. Coffee? Something to sober Lindsay up. Lindsay up. Yeah. And she runs into a guy. sensitive polo player. A sensitive polo player. Isn't that something like Gorf? <laughs> sure. We'll go with that. Polo sure. Yeah. He's like, hey, congratulations on your six month anniversary. And she's like, have we met? And my source material says that they're flirting with each other. I absolutely do not think they're flirting no. with each other at all. No. Which makes this even more shitty what comes out of it. Yes. No, she, um, although, uh, Christ, I hate all of these characters yep. so much. I hate all the decisions that they make. I hate the writing. Like, this, is, this show is terrible. Um, but having said that, this is what happens. She's like, oh, so Zach. she like gets angry that mm -hmm. Zach is telling the people in the polo team about how excited he is that this is their six month anniversary. Yep. She's like, oh, so he's like talking about my business in the public. She says something like, oh, he's making my life into and, and she says like an episode of a show. I remember what show. Uh, or like a magazine or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't remember either. Sorry. Yeah. And that's fine. It's whatever. It's not important. And he's like, that's when he says like, uh, you know, oh, the guys in the polo club are you know, really sensitive. Um, and at one point, ah, this is, that's right. He's like, he's one point he's like, uh, Hey, you know, we can't really see the band from here. You want to go up to the balcony? And she says, well, you know, I can't really see the band from here. And she motions about how short she is. She's like, so sure, I guess, yeah, let's go to the balcony. I mean, team summer, short people. But, but like. <sighs> Are you saying she was asking for it? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. What I am saying is why the fuck did she go up to the fucking balcony with this guy when she knows goddamn full well this goddamn community loves to fucking snitch and rat and of course She's already on thin ice with Zach for a number of things uh, regarding other boys. It sounds like you think she's asking for it. Oh, my God. 
they are fully standing like they're standing COVID distance away from each other on this balcony. It doesn't matter in this Nothing show. Nothing is happening. It doesn't matter in this show. She is with a boy and she is non-chaperoned by her boyfriend. That is what this show cares about. Women are things owned by their boyfriends. Yeah. <laughs> I still think I'm still maintain that you think she was asking for it. So now we are in the car with the boys, the Range Rover of <laughs> biphobia. <laughs> where they are on route, en route to the bait shop to, I don't know, confront Alex for being a person. Yeah, dude, this fucking, what the fuck are they doing? They're being idiots. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What are they doing in the car? A lot of girl on girl jokes. Yes, this is the gross fucking part. Yep. Where, yeah, Zach is like, is she hot? You know my mind. Oh, yeah, because uh, um, Seth is like, oh, my mind is racing right now. And Zach is like, so is mine. She's hot, right? It's like, oh, my God. Yep. Just shoot me already. Yep. I hate this episode. <laughs> we got two more seasons after this to get through, baby. Jesus Christ. It there's only, four, only four seasons? There's four seasons. Yeah. Okay. Just like the seasons of life. There isn't a, a, a movie, right? No. Okay. No. Okay. Thank God. So we're grossed out. We hate everyone. Yes. I think my villain is everyone. <laughs> you know what? Actually, yeah, my villain might be the writers again on this one. We'll 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 discuss it when we get to that part. So now we're at the um, restaurant with the adults, and Caleb exists oh, on this show. Again. We we forgot where Caleb comes in, and he talks to Sandy. And is like, Sanford, you've heard about this terrible idea. Uh, it's a terrible idea and it's going to bankrupt the company and or it's like, going to make a laughing stock. Sandy's like, yeah, it's on my it's on my kitchen table. I can't escape it. And Sandy's like this. You know what? For once, this might actually be a thing that you and I agree on. So um, Caleb, Caleb, essentially you should sleep with the fishes. <laughs> Caleb convinces Sandy that they're going to that Sandy and Caleb and Kirsten are going to form a united front to tell to confront Julie at dinner Which about is her the terrible idea. Thing that this show will ever come to being pro union. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Yes. So yes. Okay. That was leading up to now this scene. They're at dinner. They're at dinner. Um. And Julie basically, again, this is where she describes the essential existence of Real Housewives of the OC. Yep. The show never met an awkward dinner that it didn't like. It could also be a meta joke about how interested people are in the lives of the characters on the OC. I guess. They do like to attempt to get meta sometimes. Yeah, they do. The... the show that everyone on the show was obsessed with. I can't remember what it's called. The Hills? No, that's an actual show. Oops. The Valley. The Valley. The Valley. Yep. Um, 
Sandy says that the magazine isn't happening. Yeah, so Julie's talking about the magazine, 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 and Sandy says, when are we going to break it to her? Yeah. Julie, it's a terrible idea. And Julie's like, oh, well, thanks a lot. You're an asshole. Uh, what about you, husband? Are you going to back me up? And uh, Caleb says, oh, well, it's my job to be impartial. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. So the tiebreaker would have been Kirsten, but... Somebody's had a change of heart. Kirsten is actually on Julie's side because she knows that Julie is correct. What did she say to? She said like she she said something sort of vaguely positive, like I ran the numbers. Mm-hmm. What does that even fucking mean? It she literally counted the number of women in Orange <laughs> County. She went door to door before dinner. And personally asked them, Hey, do you would you buy this? <laughs> Can you read? Yeah. (laughs) I ran the numbers, you guys. Women be reading. (laughs) Yeah, so Sandy feels completely thrown under the bus. And he's like, oh, this is too much. He's like, you all are hungry, hungry hippos. Yes. And you get to pay for my dinner, you piece of shit. Yep. And he exits. And he exits. Um, Now we're back at the... the, uh, Bait shop. Steph. 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 Steph, Steph Curry. <laughs> Steph Curry, for some reason, is in this episode. No. no. <laughs> Seth storms into the bait shop and is like, I'll fight a girl. I don't care, man. And he would get his ass kicked so fucking hard. She would and so fast. Yep. So I, I'm going to canonically, we all know Seth cannot fight. Right. Seth would get demolished by a child. Um, the the titular welcome to the OC bitch. Yes, indeed. Yes. Seth would get his ass entirely handed to but, him. No, but he did. On a silver platter. He, he did get his ass handed to him. Well, I mean, Ryan got his fight. ass handed to him in the titular welcome to the OC bitch. Oh, I suppose. Yeah. But it's fine. It's fine. Seth would, Seth would, yeah, uh, in, 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 a stem cell would beat up Seth. Yes. A 3D model of a slice of pizza. <laughs> I like that. Would beat up Seth. That's a good one. Um, I don't remember specifically what else happens in this scene, except Alex leaves and is like, no, we're not talking about this. Yeah. That's all we need to know. Yeah, that's right. He comes up and she's like, I have a job that I'm currently working. Which is another thing that he loves to do. He really does. He loves to interrupt people at their jobs that they need to work. All of the Coens love to interrupt people at their jobs that they're supposed to be performing labor at. Job what job? Only me. Yeah. Cohen. Right. It's a running theme. Yeah. So, okay. Yes, Zach and Summer are on the rocks or rocky or full of rocks. I can't actually move out of this metaphor. But we were, when we were trying to establish Zach as a person previously, he was like, he was okay with her being friends with Cohen. 
mm-hmm. eventually, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So after the punching incident, after the punching incident, so like we are supposed to have an idea of Zach that he's a little like a skosh, not very much in more enlightened, mm-hmm. more mature than the girlies. Uh-huh. This this scene does not. Because he storms in and is like, why are you talking to Schmeck right. from the polo team? Um, It's Gorf. Gorf. <laughs> He'll hit on anything that moves. And she's like, well, uh, that makes me feel great. <laughs> and also points out it's not fucking like that. They were just talking. Yeah. But because bro man, bro crow magnon man. <laughs> yeah. He's like, look, I guess... I remember what he said. He makes some pretty decent points, though, because he just he just wants to he likes her and he wants to celebrate them like liking each other. And she's being stupid. She does the thing at the very end where she uses her words and explains what exactly is making her skittish around this relationship. Mm -hmm. But you would think that he would have at any point before this confrontation said, hey, what's going on with you? Sure. Can we talk about this? Mm-hmm. I'm into you. What's going on? And that happens because we want to give a sense of like everything's fine closure at the end. Uh huh. Yeah. So whatever, whatever to this scene, whatever to this scene. Yeah. He leaves. Where do we go from there? Sorry to this man. <laughs> um. Back at the... Back at the restaurant. Okay. Um, Kirsten tells Caleb that she will be siding with Sandy at the meeting and that he should back Julie for his peace of mind and because it's a better idea. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's where they bring in the you gotta you gotta side with your your lady parts. Your your lady loves. Yeah. In all things. Yeah. All the time. So this scene absolutely could have been cut because now we're at the beach. I don't remember what happens at the beach. You don't? Oh, now I remember what happens at the beach. What happens at the beach, Evan? Okay, well, um, did we, we glossed over some things. We glossed over some very important things that happen. Oh, Christ. Right, because yeah. have we glossed over Seth? Going into Alex's office? No, that happens after this scene. Yeah. Um, yes, okay, good. So, Ryan has retrieved Lindsay, correct? Yes, yes. And he says some horrible shit to Marissa. Did he say that before or after? Doesn't he yell that when they're in the office? Yeah. Yes. yes you're right. Okay. Okay. But yeah, the, all the horrible things happen in the office. So he's got Lindsay. She is very drunk, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, we, we also skipped over. We, we talked about it a little bit briefly. She had the conversation with Marissa where she's like, you're not scary. And she's like, don't worry. Ryan really likes you. Um. What are they talking about when they're on the beach? She's like, I want to go swimming. Yeah. He's like, no. She's like, um, he, they discuss the fact that she has not eaten anything yeah. on top of being super trashed. And yes. he's, you know, dadly and weird about that. 
He's like, all right, I'll tell you what, how, there, how do, oh yeah, sorry, keep going. There is also a connection to be had that he, his mom is an alcoholic. That is true. And he is probably triggered for a lot of reasons. Yep. And you sort of know what, sort of, you know what it's like taking care of a drunk idiot. <laughs> yeah, I do. Me. Yeah. You have taken care of my drunk idiot self more times than you should. And it's frustrating and it's awful. The thing that I do not like that he choice that he choices, choices that he choices to do, uh, Chris Moise, is he leaves the <laughs> fully almost blackout drunk girl yeah. alone on the beach at night. He's like, I'm gonna get some coffee and fries so you can sober up. Why in the world didn't you make her walk with you? Take her with you. You're with you, you dumb you shit. Fucking putts. Yeah. What the fuck are you thinking? Yep. So then he comes back. That, there's another scene in between. Oh, there's another scene in between. Okay. But I'm screaming at the television at this point. Like, what the fuck are you doing? She's a blackout teenager. You're just leaving her out. The number of things that could go wrong in this, in this scenario make me so angry at him. And the writers. The writers are my villains. Yes. Um. Now we're back at the office. This is the Seth and Alex scene. Yes. Okay. Seth is knocking. He is knocking like a fucking jackass. Yep. Jesus Christ. Again, she is trying to do her job. He's like, knock, 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 knock. Finally, she opens the door and he's like, um, if you think ignoring me is going to work, obviously not. Because I'm here. I'm violating all of your boundaries. Yeah. He's such a prick. Yep. He says something about he's seen part of the Banger Sisters. I hate everything about Seth in this episode. Yeah. So much. The Banger Sisters is an actual movie. It's not like a porn. Seth is the worst. I've just never seen it. Seth is always and will always be the worst. Listeners, go to our co-hosts that you don't know the URL of and tell us if the Banger Sisters is <laughs> But yes. So he goes in and he confronts her. What is he? I mean, he's got not a single leg to stand on. Yep. And then he says, this isn't worth the drama. Yeah. It's like, my dude, you're the, you are the, drama. you're the doing this right now. Yeah. She just asked for a little space. It's the, it's the meme. Am I the drama? I don't think I'm the drama. <laughs> Girly, you're the drama. Yeah. Yeah. And like, he tries to have some little, he tries to have some bullshit phrase that he says when he leaves, like, maybe I'll find someone that's even cool to me or something like that. Yeah. It's like, dude, fuck you. Yeah. I hate you so much. And she, uh, Alex says nothing. Yeah. So he leaves. In a huff. Alex exhibits a lot of Ryan's traits. Don't you think? Explain. She's, uh, she doesn't talk. She doesn't talk when she needs to talk. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just getting ammo for our AO3. Has she punched anybody yet? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. She's probably going to sleep with Marissa. I sure hope so. That I want none of them to date Seth or Ryan anymore. They shouldn't be dated. No. No. <laughs> They should be put in the pool house and not allowed to come out until they thought about what they did. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so end of that scene. Yes. Now we're back at the beach. Ryan returns with, with the food. An empty coffee cup. He sees 
uh, her shoes. Yeah. And like, or like one of her shoes and like her, her jacket. Yeah. yeah. And he, because he has no capacity to think about women other than things that need to be rescued. Mm-hmm. He immediately decides that all this means she has gone into the water. Well, now let's not kid ourselves. I also made the same assumption. Well, that also like the writers wanted you to assume they that. did. Why yeah. would she take off like one of her shoes and her jacket or whatever? Cause she's shit faced and then walk back to the office. Like that doesn't make any sense, but it's fine. So he leaps into the ocean He's screaming, Lindsay, Lindsay, Lindsay. He's screaming around. He's being knocked about by waves. Uh, We cut up to the boardwalk where Seth is huffing and puffing and feeling very bad for himself. Yep. And he sees Ryan. He goes down there and he's like, Ryan, what are you doing? Um, And Ryan's like, Lindsay is drowning. And Seth is like, no, you fucking putz. I saw her in the office. She's fine. She's sleeping it off. Cut to Ryan dripping, soaking wet. Going into the office. He wants to talk to Marissa. This is where we have his own little fucking row. Yep. So Marissa's there and he just lets loose. What does he say? He says things like you can fuck up your own life if you want. But, you know, don't drag me into it. Don't drag Lindsay into it. Mm -hmm. Um, What else does he say? He says some really awful things. Yeah. Um, Oh, oh, oh. Uh, at one point later in the episode, uh, Seth says, we saw a little bit of the old Ryan Atwood. And that's when Alex is like, don't speak to her like that. And he goes, uh, what does he say? He's like, what did you say? Or something like yeah. that. <laughs> and it's like, dude, are you going to punch Alex? Like, what is going to happen, my dude? Where do you think this is going? Yep. Anyway, yeah, he's screaming. He's very angry. Are there any lines in your summary? Uh, specifically what he says, some of the more choice things. No. I mean, you know, some of the stuff, he's not wrong. Like, she shouldn't have brought alcohol. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know? But. But, okay. I think the other thing that she's trying to tell Ryan and is not getting through to him, she made the decision on her own. Lindsay mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. She said no first. And then she said, yes, no one pressured her. No one was like, only cool girls drink. Maybe if you drink, we won't care about your L.L. Bean backpack. (laughs) That's true. That's true. It's true. She made her own decision. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it was not her decision because clearly Marissa strong armed her into it. So he screams and, uh, He's like, you know, I need to get Lindsay home. And uh, Marissa and Alex are like, she'll be fine here. We'll make sure she gets home. So Ryan leaves with Seth in a big huff and puff. He does look like he is very close to punching several times. Yes. Yes. Um, That summer is at the diner where Donnie shot. Luke. <laughs> Which hasn't been in the show a little for a little while. Welcome back, Diner. Welcome back, Diner. 
Um, inexplicably, she is drinking a... Oh, no, she doesn't have a milkshake. She yet. orders a black and white milkshake. For one. For one. Yes. Yes, and who does she see sitting across the way that she was not expecting to see at this diner? Little Zacky. It's Zach, who's drinking... A milkshake. A milkshake. So, she scooches over. Also, why is it in a to-go cup? Why is it in a plastic cup when he's clearly sitting at the table? I don't know, my dude. The planet is on fire, and it is because of this cup. (laughs) We didn't start the fire. It was the cup at the OC. Once more, (laughs) William Joel. Billy Joel is the patron saint of this episode. (laughs) Um, Summer calls herself Ultra Bitch 2000 and says she was <laughs> raised by wolves and apologizes and this is when she says this is she explains when she used her I words. don't remember what she says though but she's like I was in I've never been in a relationship longer than six months the closest mm-hmm. thing that I had was Cohen and I don't know how to be in one and I'm scared that I'm gonna mess it up yeah is what she says mm-hmm And then they share the milkshake with two straws and thus concludes this arc. Um, And they sort of accidentally have a little celebration for their six month anniversary. Yes. Which I also didn't consider until just now. Oh, and he, uh, Zach says, don't worry if we're still together by the year mark, I will forget it. I will not say a word. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't recall if this is foreshadowing, but I don't feel like they're going to make it to the year mark. Probably not. Eh. No, I do not see that happening. I'm going to I'm going to put down my bet right now that neither Lindsay nor Zach are in season three. I'm going to say that right now. I might even say, what are we on? Episode nine. We're in season two, episode nine. I'm going to say neither of them make it to, to episode 15. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Mark my words. I will be shocked if I am proven wrong. All right. Um, okay, so where do we go from here? Um, Seth and Ryan are back at the pool house, and they uh, decide that they need to go apologize to their respective ladies. And it's... On its face, an extremely poor decision because they have gotten to where they are by putting themselves in the orbit of these women <laughs> unasked for. Well, well, it's like Alex says when they do show up. Are you stalking me? Yeah. Because <laughs> he cannot leave her alone. Just leave her alone for 10 minutes, you motherfucker. He refuses to give her any space and any time to deal with any of his bullshit. Yep. So they show up. They go to the door. She's like, are you stalking me? Blah, blah. Uh, Ryan is like, is Marissa here? She's like, yes, she's in the back. Oh, uh, the reason that they know that they can leave is because they heard from somebody that uh, Lindsay was home safe. Yes. And was sleeping it off. Um, Alex called Seth and then hung up on him after she said that he was safe. Yes, that, that she was safe. Yes, yes, yes. Very good. Yes. And then the Coens, before this uh, apology session happens, the Coens are, the parents are on the couch apologizing to each other and making up. And 
they're watching the horror movie here, yep. right? Yeah, and this horror movie was also going to, yeah, it comes up later. Yep. Um, this is a great scene where uh, Kirsten is very apologetic, but Sandy's like, it's, it's essentially, he's like, it's not your fault. I have, through my own actions, positioned myself against my own will and against my own better judgment as Caleb's lackey, yeah. which is what he has wanted the whole time. Yep. And he's like, I don't know how I got myself here. And he's like, I got to get a fucking job. Yeah. He's like, this has all been a distraction from what do I do next? Yeah. Which is a good question. Because, you know, the Sandy Cohen that we loved from season one was a, a lawyer that defended people that needed lawyers like him who did not have access to the resources that, you know, Newport's wealthy elite have well we assume that's what he did at his job the only time we ever saw him jobbing was when it was related to ryan that's true yeah he did defend oliver that one time again oh no we did see him actually lawyering yeah oh also his 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 almost dalliance yes his brush with dalliance yes. uh when he was hired by the trial firm schmancy firm blah 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 yep yeah so yeah i'm i'm happy that we might see a Sandy Cohen sort of back in the action doing his thing. And I'm glad that he's going to be less associated, at least according to this episode, he's going to be less associated with Caleb Nickel and all of that nonsense. Does this mean that we will get less Caleb Nickel full stop? I don't know. He's been in the opening credits every episode so far. You know, they made room for him in the opening song. So he's saying the California part. <laughs> California knows how to party. California knows how to party on the Bobby. Bobby of Justice. <laughs> on the Bobby. Bobby of Shrimp. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Kylie Minogue. <laughs> that was maybe the worst Australian accent anyone has ever done. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's 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 wrap this shit up. Wrapping it up. Here we go. Okay. So now we're at Ryan's shitty apology to Marissa. Yeah. It's so shitty. Yeah. Let's, I just want to hear a spoiler alert. Um, as he is walking out the door, he says, oh, I came to apologize. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and Marissa also apologizes for reasons that are unclear because she didn't do anything. Really well, except, uh, like, she no. could have not brought the booze. She could have not. She's Marissa. She could have tried to stop Lindsay from like getting really trashed. <laughs> I mean, you know, friends are supposed to take responsibility for one another and sort of like watch out for each other. You Evan, know? the literal second time that we met Marissa Cooper, maybe the literal first time. She was blackout drunk. She was being summarily oh, that's dumped right. on the pavement in front of her house. Yes. Because she was passed out. Yes, correct. She does not have a good model no. of how to take care yeah. of a person. She is a fucked up 17 year old. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me of that. That's important. That is important. Yes, thank you. They are conveniently fucked up 17 year olds when the writing wants them to be fucked up 17 year olds. Yes, they are wise 30 year olds when it is convenient to the plot. Yes. So, okay, what does his actual apology 
contain. I can't remember. Again, I there is not reference to it in my source material. But okay, I remember he's like Fuck, what does he goddamn say? He basically just guilt trips her. I can't remember now. Yep, it's fine. It's fine. He apologizes. Kind of. Kind of. 20 minutes later. Yeah. It's a full extra episode. Yeah. Oh, she does say something like maybe um maybe trying to get so I remember something along the lines of like trying to get Lindsay to be friends with Marissa was more about was more for him yes. than actually for Lindsay. Yes. Yeah. And maybe that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good summary. Yeah. OK. So he hashtag learned something. So then he kind of apologizes. He goes outside and he sees Seth post apology to Alex. We assume he actually apologized. We do never hear Seth say the words. I'm sorry. He other than I came to say it came to apologize or came to say I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh. So we are not privy to Seth's apology to Alex, but we assume. Um, it's kind of implied that they're finally over. Oh, because um, he's like, he says something about how it's exhausting. I think I thought it was implied that. Alex and her girlfriend that her ex were over. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And like, but like, also she kisses his cheek mm-hmm. instead of like mm-hmm. kissing him on the mouth. So mm-hmm. that's a very like platonic. Like, we'll see what happens next episode. Because what is heavily implied is going to happen. Yes. Okay. So the boys leave. Uh, Alex goes back inside to hang out with Marissa. They're sitting on the couch. Uh, Marissa's like, oh yeah, um, Alex is like, I'm done with boys, I'm done with girls, I don't want anything to do with anybody anymore. Marissa's like, there's a horror movie on. How about that? Alex is like, that will fucking do. Sits down on the couch. Immediately makes goo-goo eyes well, at Marissa. Alex is like, it's are chilly you, in here. Are you cold? You cold? Marissa's like, look at me. Do I look warm? <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't say that, but this bitch lives in California and always looks cold. And is 86 pounds. Yes. So Alex reaches over. There's a lot of like looking. Like heated looking. Yes. A like, lot of looking. They have more chemistry than Marissa and Ryan ever did. And Seth and Alex ever did. It's true. It is so true. Oh you just kind of want them to like join their bony elbows. Yeah. In an embrace. <laughs> a sapphic embrace. Yes. A, <laughs> yes. A pokey sapphic embrace. <laughs> um, yes. And there's just quite a lot of looking as they're watching the television program together. I did not look up what the horror movie that they were simultaneously watching with the Coens was because they also did that little parallel thing. It had Vincent Price. I know that. Yeah. It had Vincent Price and it had a, um, an ambulatory skeleton. Yep. Okay, let's get this shit over with. We're almost at two hours. Who's your villain? God. <laughs> My villain is God. <laughs> for creating the earth. <laughs> and creating the Big Bang. Yeah. That led to bugs. That led to humans. <laughs> that led to writing. I curse the existence of writing. 
I curse the American school oh system. God. I curse the decade of 2000 to 2010. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> but also, God. Wow. Yep. Holy shit. Yep. Okay, so my canonical villain is Seth for being the worst. My meta villain is the writers of the program. Heroes. I guess Sandy. He got a blowy. He sure did. (laughs) He sure fucking did. No, he had a very important moment of self-realization. Yes. He figured out that he didn't want to be attached to Caleb anymore. And he discussed it like a grown-up with his wife. Yes. Yes. He did throw a little bit of a hissy fit at dinner. When he did not get his way. But. A Caleb, excuse me, a Sandy hissy fit is a fun hissy fit. <laughs> he didn't whip out a nut and put it in anybody's pasta. No. You know, like it's after season one. No. We love a sassy Sandrew. <laughs> yeah, I wish he would have been a little sassier. You know, he could have had like a one liner or something like that. Eh. But. It's fine. The writers of this episode were not good. And this is, again, by default, because I don't even think that was particularly heroic. No, it was at least self-aware, though, which is so much more than any of the other characters did in this fucking episode. Yep. Okay, so... Maybe Alex for (laughs) fucking breaking up with Seth. Finally, maybe. See, I'm still not convinced that that's what happened. All right, we'll see you next time. I fucking hope so. Uh, Mark my words, if season two, episode 10 is not better than episode nine... Some things might happen. What are you saying? I don't know. I might start a second podcast to bitch about this podcast. (laughs) California, Sarah. California, Evan. You just listened to Orange. You glad we watched the OC, the show about watching and talking about the OC, recorded in guest bedroom studios, hosted by Sarah and Evan. Original concept by Sarah, recording and editing by Evan. Please give us as many stars or thumbs up as you're allowed to. Copyright 2024.